This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So as the weather warms up, we're outside gardening or doing yard work. There are so many opportunities for skin issues, right? And for me, it's always a mystery to know what's going to irritate my skin, but I'm definitely out there itching and scratching. But the good news is active skin repair always seems to save the day. Active skin repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, making it suitable for use on all skin types, all parts of the body, and even on rosacea, eczema, and acne-prone skin. Here's what I want you to do. Visit ActiveSkinRepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and get 20% off your order when you use code JOYFUL. Again, that's www.ActiveSkinRepair.com. Find out more about the product and get 20% off your order when you use the code JOYFUL. Hello, this is Casey. And you are about to listen to the Joyful Courage Parenting Podcast, episode 66. Hey friends, welcome back to the show. I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so glad that you're taking time to listen to my guest today. I can't tell you how much feedback I got from last week's show with Tasha Shore. We talked all about raising boys and it had, it was super popular. There was a lot of people that downloaded that episode to listen in on and um, I'm super excited about that. She was a great guest. We had really powerful conversation and today, today we're going to dive into the girls, adolescent girls to be more specific. My guest is Sherry Gazette, and she is a coach. She's a teen girl life coach. She's also a speaker and has some e-learning over at teenwiseseattle.com. Parents hire her to unleash their daughter's confidence and inner happiness so that she can live more fully and authentically. Many girls are bogged down with an idea of perfection that is unattainable which leads to unbearable stress and unhealthy coping skills. The bottom line is that girls feel more supported, more authentic, and more capable of tackling life head on when they work with Coach Sherry. So I'm really excited to share this conversation with her. She is full of insights and information, and we laugh, we cry. No, we didn't really cry, but we did laugh. And you all know how much I appreciate getting to host these podcasts because I live with a adolescent girl. So this was really special for me. Um, If you have an adolescent girl at home or a young girl who one day will be an adolescent girl, you will find value in this conversation. I'm also super excited because it's November 1st. And guess what? Last month, the month of October and the month of September both, I had over 11,000 downloads of the podcast, which blows my mind. So amazed, so amazing, so inspired, so honored that people are finding so much value in these shows. So I just want to say a huge thank you to each and every one of you. 
Thank you for every time you post a podcast on your Facebook page. Thank you for every time you tell a friend, oh my gosh, I'm listening to this show and it's so great and you should listen too. Thank you for each and every one of you that just takes your friend's phone and shows them how to subscribe right there on their phone. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The show is alive because of you. And um, I'm so, I, I so appreciate my fans. So just wanted to throw that out there. And you know what would be really amazing? If we could bring that number for November up to 15,000. I think if we work together, we could do that. So I invite you as you listen in the next few weeks, when you hear a show that speaks to you, where you are taking away a nugget of wisdom, a tool to practice, or just spent the time laughing or relating to what's being talked about, will you please share that? Share it on your news feed. Share it in your mom's and dad's groups. Share it with parents at school. Share it with anyone who will listen because I would just love to keep growing and keep getting the message of my guests and myself out into the world. Doing it for the country, people doing it for the world. Help me out. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much. Find a comfy place to sit or a big old pile of laundry to fold or some commute time in your car and enjoy my conversation with Sherry. Hey there, Sherry. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Casey. It's great to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah. Will you please share with the listeners about who you are and what you do? Sure. So I'm the founder of a company called TeenWise, which is, like it says, um, a focus on teen issues. So I deal with parents and staff and teens themselves and even tweens, um, you know, just daily life issues. And that covers the gamut from stress to perfectionism, friendship issues, bullying, all the things that our teens are having to deal with. And you're a mom. And I'm a mom to three girls, and they're all in the teen years now. So they're 13, 16, and 18. Oh, I love that. I love that you get to speak from from the, the arena. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> I've learned a lot. All three of them are very different. So that gives me a lot to work with. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> so today we're going to talk specifically about adolescent and teen girls. Um, so tell me a little bit about, so you have three teen daughters. So obviously that is something that sparks your interest around this topic. But what else did you notice in your work that kind of drew you into this niche of these, of talking about girls and teen girls specifically? Right. So like you mentioned, I have my own three daughters and then I grew up with two sisters. So we were a three girl household growing up. So it's what I'm comfortable with. It's also what I know a lot about. And, um, you know, from first experience, you know, the stuff I went through and the things my sisters went through, the things my girls are going through. I know there's a lot of um, support that's needed during the teen years, middle and high school. And um, another thing that really kind of draws me to this area other than that's just what I'm surrounded with is when I was in middle school or junior high at the time in high school I was kind of considered the good girl the one that everybody looked up to I had great grades I was drum major honor society you know elected into the prom court all of that stuff but I really made a lot of poor choices and it would have been very helpful for me to have someone to talk to or someone guiding me or my parents even during those years of 
how do I kind of stick to my true self, which we'll talk about later, I'm sure. And how do I be me and not feel so much pressure and, and you don't have someone to talk to about it. So, um, you know, whenever I tell somebody what I do or they bring their daughter to a workshop, their answer is usually, oh, I wish I had that when I was that age. And that's how I feel. So that's why I created these programs and this company. Yeah, because, right, we as parents are always thinking like, okay, I'm looking for the signposts. And when everything looks good on the surface, we tend to have this sigh of relief, like everything must be fine. Mm -hmm. And there's so much, oh my gosh, there's so much going on under the surface. Exactly. Um, So I noticed that seventh grade, so I have a a 13-year-old daughter um, myself, and I noticed that in seventh grade, there was a big shift for her. Uh, middle school starts here in our town in sixth grade, but really it was the seventh grade year where it seemed from the outside looking in, that was when she really started to notice her changing body and that the boys situation started entering the picture. So what begins, like if you're going to kind of bring it all into a nutshell, what do you share with parents as they're making this transition with their daughters into adolescence? What are some of the big things that are that are happening internally that maybe we don't see below the surface for them as they move towards and into teen years? Right. So um, during middle school years, let's talk about that first. Um, it, it's really a time where they're trying to figure out who they are. And we as parents get so confused because we're looking at our kids day to day like, who are you? You know, you're so different than you were last year. Yeah. And if you think it's confusing for us, just imagine them and what they're going through. If you um, look at the psychologist Erickson, he has the different transitions that we go through in life. And during this time, it's identity versus confusion. Mm -hmm. So they're trying to figure out who they are. And the other side of that is, I don't know who I am. I'm very confused. (laughs) Do they both happen at the same time? Because sometimes I'm thinking, I think these are (laughs) happening at the same time. (laughs) Absolutely, day to day. So that's why we see all of these different things that we're trying to figure out as parents. What is she doing? We've got the change in what they're wearing, the change in the words they're using, how they're treating us. Yeah, their changes in friendships, their interests, and of course their body changes, which affects their changes, you know, how they're presenting themselves to the world. Mm-hmm. And we can see this on a monthly basis, on a daily basis, and even on an hourly basis. You know, they it's like stepping into a dressing room with a big pile of clothes. And you try it on, you look in the mirror, you see if it's comfortable, you kind of you have this inner talk of, am I really gonna wear this? Where would I wear it? That's what they're doing with all of these kind of almost personality, you know, things that they're trying on. What does this feel like? Do I like it? How are people reacting to it? And yeah, so it's kind of like trying on clothes. Yeah. And that, you know, I was, I feel like I have had this conversation recently too. And it's something that I noticed with my daughter, you know, even with just entering sixth grade and makeup was, we were like, sure, you know what? play with makeup. And so play with makeup became like, whoa, that is a face full of makeup. And because of YouTube, she's really good at putting on makeup. But from (laughs) the like 40-year-old mom perspective, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, that is a lot of makeup. And then stepping back and remembering like, well, wait a minute, we just opened the door to this. So of course it's going to be like, right on, I'm going to try it all. And it's lovely to see now you know, she's in eighth grade and it's, you know, it's become much less. Like it's still there, but 
you know, having conversations with my husband too, um, just about how it is a period of time that trying on peace. And I think that we can either, you know, make it better or worse on in our response to it, right? So what are your what are some of the big challenges that families are coming to you with? And how do what are you noticing about parents that can either, you know, fuel the fire versus, you know, letting the girls work it out? What are some things that show up with parents in your practice? So I think one of the biggest challenges that families are coming in with is stress. They are really stressed about a lot of stuff. And it comes from this idea, this definition of success and this definition of what our girls are supposed to be like that causes so much stress. So you know, if she's trying on makeup, the parents are stressed. Oh my gosh, what are other people going to think? Mm-hmm. How is she going to present herself to the world? So we get wrapped up in this idea of success. And unfortunately, right now, the way that society is defining success for our girls is that they get all A's, they go to a great college, they're into science, they don't focus on beauty. So we're really giving them this very tunneled path of this is what success looks like. So the parents give into this kind of parent peer pressure. If my daughter is dressing a certain way, what are people going to think? That's not how she's supposed to be dressing. Or what if she's into art and she's not into science? That's not what we're supposed to be pushing her towards. Um, There's just this pressure all around. We talk about peer pressure for our teens, but there's this great pressure coming onto our parents, this peer pressure. And that causes some stress to the teens because that's funneled down to them of, wait, you need to look different, you need to act different, behave differently. So I think that's a big thing that I see. Even though I do life coaching with the teen girls, I'm also working with the parents to kind of reframe their perspective. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Thank God. Spring into summer is my favorite time of year. After turning 50 last September, I've been really working on my physical health and well-being and can honestly say that I am feeling better in my body than I have felt in a very long time. Yes, credit goes to movement and working out, but even more credit goes to how I'm feeding my body. That's why I love Factor. I fuel up with Factor's no prep, no mess meals, 35 different meal choices, and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. I always have a new flavor to explore. It's amazing. You can crush your wellness goals this May, keep time in the kitchen to a minimum, and enjoy effortless support for the lifestyle you want to be living with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust from Factor. Head over to factormeals.com slash joyful50 and use the code joyful50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code joyful50 at factormeals.com slash joyful50. Again, that's 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Yes, yes, yes. Join me. Join me in the health revolution and feel really good this summer. 
Hey friends, as a podcast listener myself, I always get so excited to share when I find a new show that I think is super useful. So today I want to tell you about Understood Explains. This is a podcast that tackles one important topic per season. And this season is all about navigating individualized education plans and is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Ertube. Getting the support our kids need in school can feel tricky, and we aren't always sure what it is that they need. When I listened to the episode titled, Does My Child Need an IEP? It offered up so much useful information that I could really see supporting parents who are in this consideration. The host is so knowledgeable and really breaks down the content in a way that helps listener go from completely overwhelmed to actually starting to feel empowered. Other episodes in the series highlight the difference between IEPs and 504 plans, as well as a whole episode that busts common myths about special education. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Understood Explains. So check it out. You won't be sorry. Yeah, and it seems like there's a misalignment with the parents' definition of success and the messages that girls are getting about what it means to be a young woman, Mm -hmm. right? Because I don't see images of smart scientists, (laughs) don't worry about what you look like as far as the messages that the girls get, right, versus, you know, through media and... TV and movies, I mean, I'd say it, it, it's a contrast to that is right. what is the messages that they're receiving. I'm reading Reviving Ophelia right now. Have you read that book? I'm sure you have. I have. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. And the author talks about girls who maintain connection with their true self, which is something you just brought up, versus their false self. The ones that can stay connected to true self tend to make it through these teen years, you know, all right. And she discusses false self as being – someone other being someone that the that people media society want you to be versus the true self as understanding who you are and making choices that are right for you. So how would you tease those two things apart that false self versus the true self and how do we support our girls cuz I mean I I've tried to you know I have conversations with my daughters and and maybe it might be similar for you at times where it's just like, oh God, here comes mom talking about what she does for a living. Oh my God. You know? (laughs) Yeah. My girls say, don't teen life coach me, mom. (laughs) (laughs) But what is it? Like, how do we support them in that whole exploration of true self in a way that isn't, because they're also going through this whole thing of, I am separate from you. Mm -hmm. I'm an individual from you, which is great. I'm all for that right? I'm all for that. And I also want to be sure that she can hear herself, right? What is in under, and even like, I mean, are they even thinking like, what is true for me? Is that even a concept that's going on inside of them? And how can we facilitate that inner voice, that inner questioning as parents? Well, this is where we as parents come in because it's not normal for people this age, you know, in middle school, high school, to be thinking about those questions. They just don't. Okay. Uh, you know, it happens just, you know, they live day to day 
and they don't really think about who am I. Mm -hmm. And we're really missing this right now. It's something that we do need to help them with because our kids are getting to college and they don't know who they are and they're having a very huge mental health crisis right now in colleges because they don't ever find their true self. Now, having said that, at this age, that's what their job is to find their true self. So they don't already have that defined. So, you know, this notion of stay true to yourself right now is very difficult because what are they staying true to? That makes me feel better. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That makes me feel better. Yes. Yes. I mean, how many adults that you know of have a true sense of who they are and are able to stick to that true self? I mean, it's, it's a, you know, they're work in progress. Yeah. We still are at our age and our girls are definitely in the midst of just trying to find out who am I right now and what do I stand for? Because our true selves change throughout our life. They yeah. don't stay stagnant. If they did, that would we'd never grow and learn as a person. So and while I get what she's saying in her writing, um, we as parents need to also be realistic and don't think, oh, my daughter needs to know exactly who she is and stand up for everything that that she stands for, because she's still figuring all that out. Right. Well, I love that. That is, um, that feels really, like, I feel like a weight gets lifted when we recognize it's not so much, you know, be yourself as it is figure out who yourself is, you know, figure out, recognize when you're going along with something because it's easy to do versus when you can get curious and think, well, is this, does this fall in line with my values and what are my values? What do I value? And I think that recognizing too, I was just responding to a client today about this, you know, we have what's important to us and what we value and we can should our kids all we want but ultimately, it might not be a value for them. Right. And the best thing we can do is 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 be models and be models. <laughs> yep. We have to show them how it's done. Yeah. And I'm I'm really big into relationship over here. Um, talk about it a lot. Comes on comes up a lot on the podcast. And um, relationship being ultimately the biggest influence that we have right? Being in a solid relationship with our kids. And I can see how easy it is for relationship to suffer here with our adolescent girls simply because we take things so personally. And something I love just about that I read in in Reviving Ophelia is she just talks about all the different pieces of development that are happening, but they're not all happening at the same time. Mm -hmm. And so, and it's fascinating to me and it happens to me and it's even more fascinating when I can look into somebody else's experience because it's always more clear, right? All right. (laughs) (laughs) But noticing when we are taking things personally versus this is just my daughter trying to puzzle through something and she's had a rough day or this or that and the other thing and she's snappy with me and how quickly we can take that back talk, eye roll or feeling embarrassed Although she did admit recently that I was a pretty decent, okay mom. Oh, nice. I know. I'm going to like, can we get that on tape? <laughs> um, so what do you see happening when we talk about relationships with our girls? And, you know, in some scenarios when girls really push away and stop talking to us, what do you see happening there for them? So I think there's a few different things we can talk about as far as this relationship. I think that one issue that we're up against is a lot of parents these days are trying to be their daughter's best friend instead of their parent and their their guide rails. 
And this can come into play when you're talking about those feelings getting hurt. Mm -hmm. We expect them to treat us like a best friend and that's not going to happen because we're, we are the parent and they're supposed to push back. They're supposed to get a little bit sassy. They're supposed to find us annoying. So if we have in our minds, I want to be best friends with my daughter, then that's not going to feel very good because they're not acting like our best friend. They're acting like our daughter. Mm -hmm. And um, the other thing is that it's very important that we as adults have our healthy adult relationships and friendships so that we aren't relying on our daughters for that fulfillment of our own you know, social worth and our you know, connections so that we have different types of connections with our daughters than with our adult friends. So um, I think those things are very key. Now, if we, like you're talking about, our daughters are pulling away, how do we still keep that relationship? You do that by giving them their space, but by letting them know that you're there for them. Mm -hmm. So not drilling, you know, if they're upset, not drilling down, saying you have to talk to me about this right now. Just saying that, you know, are you okay? Is there anything I can do? I'm here to talk to you. If you want to talk, I'm, you know, just letting them know you're there. That's kind of the big thing. Yeah. What do you, what are the girls saying to you? And when you talk about with the girls that you work with and you're talking about relationship, what is the feedback you're getting from the girls as far as what they need from parents? What they need is to know they're there. But a lot of times when the girls are beginning to shut down, it's because their moms want to try to fix it. Mm -hmm. So instead of just listening, you know, and being there, they're all of a sudden going to talk to the school or she's going to talk to that person's mom or, you know, whatever it is, they can make it bigger than it was. So um, they don't want them to fix it. They don't want them to blow it out of proportion. They just want them to be there. And if they get worried about what their mom is going to do when they talk to them about stuff, that's when they start to really shut down and pull back for fear of some sort of ramifications from that information, you know, exchange. Right. And sometimes, so this, I'm so glad we're having this conversation. I was just saying today, like, I really love my podcast because I get to ask all my parenting questions to all these lovely guests that come on the show. So thank you. Right. Um, so sometimes, you know, and I always try to stay really open and available and non-judgmental with both my kids. And I know that, and I've had client, I've had people reach out to me and ask advice around this. Um, and I'm curious to see what you would say when our daughters are confiding in us and are sharing things. And perhaps it's something about a friend or it's something that's bigger than what, first of all, what the daughter should be, what the girl should be holding, but also mm -hmm. knowing that it's something, you know, it's risky behavior. And how do we, what's the best way to navigate that um, as the mom, and I feel like it was Amy, it might have been Amy Lang that that said something around, you know, you're going to, there's going to be things that you share with me that we're going to have to get help mm -hmm. to solve. So what's the good language there? Because I did just recently have someone reach out to me and her daughter had said that a friend of hers, they were at a birthday party and the friend had mentioned how she wasn't eating because mm -hmm. she was too fat. And so what how do we stay available to our daughters while also being servants to the bigger picture and, and, you know, being, being servants to the, the other kids as well and the other families in a way that doesn't shut any doors, but still 
you know, it's like being a mandatory reporter. You know, you can tell me right. anything you want and there's going to be things that we're going to have to get help for. Mm-hmm. So the first thing I would say is I try to empower my daughters when they come to me with stuff like that. So if they tell me something, I would never go and just, you know, reach out to a counselor or reach out sure. to the other person's parents without them knowing, you know, that's right. kind of obvious thing. Um, but I also talk to my kids about, you know, if they come and they talk to me about someone, one of their friends, I'll start it by saying, I want you to know I care a lot about your friends and I'm going to ask you some questions just because I want to make sure that she's safe and that she's not going to hurt herself or that, you know, we, we get her the help that she needs. If I do anything, it'll be with your permission and it will be in a way that doesn't get her in trouble. That's first and foremost. They need to know their friends are not going to get in trouble. It's all about getting them help. And, um, you know, sometimes they push back because they say, well, what if she's not my friend anymore after you know, we, we get help for her, then I will point out that wouldn't you rather her not be your friend anymore, but be safe and be healthy versus having her be your friend and either lose her to suicide or to an eating disorder or drugs, whatever it may be. You know, those are the choices. This is reality. You know, she may not want to talk to you, but isn't that better than the alternative? Yeah. Yeah. It's such a hard, such a hard place. Such yeah. a hard place. And so, and it's sometimes, you know, and, and this is something too that, um, that I've been reading about that whole, like the, you know, and I've, I've talked to my daughter too. And I feel like looking back, of course, we only remember what we remember, but I feel like I was really close to my girlfriends and spilled everything. I'm not necessarily feeling like those are the relationships that my daughter has, but she does talk to me quite a bit so far. So good. Um, and I know that there's a lot that she and other girls are holding inside and aren't always necessarily unloading all that's going on with them. So, you know, which is all the more reason why I work to be a safe place for release and also trying to facilitate um, other adult female relationships for her, you know. So if I'm not the person that she talks to, that's okay. Even though I'm like, come on, you know, it's okay. (laughs) Um, And I find that the more I shut my mouth, right, and the more I keep my opinions to myself, the safer the space is for her. Um, And we did have a situation last year where there were some boundaries that were being pushed and that we didn't know about it at first. Of course, that's kind of how it always goes, right? Right. And then we found out and it was really this like the world came crashing down. It was really a dramatic uh, peak, right? It, that's how it felt. It felt like this dramatic peak. And um, But the powerful, the really amazing part of this was um, I felt closer to her. At the end, once we got through the peak and really just held space for her to, I mean, really unload and release, it seemed like even when, you know, she was doing something that was she wasn't supposed to be doing, and I, I'm imagining that that in and of itself, like getting, quote, getting away with that for a while, created a lot of energy inside of her that when we found out she was doing it and, you know, had a little talking to, it was like, it was almost like a relief for her. And we all, as a, my husband and I and my daughter, it seemed as though we were closer after but a lot of that had to do with us keeping our mouths closed and just letting her release all of this emotion. And she had all sorts of things to say to us that we managed to not get triggered or respond to. <laughs> Hallelujah. But in the end, 
it was like it was it was something that brought us together. What are your thoughts on situations like that? I mean, because they're going to make mistakes, they're going to push boundaries. Right. My friend, do you know Sahara Piri? Do you know no, her by I any don't. chance? She teaches um, positive discipline for teens in Seattle, and she talks about you know the boundaries of our kids and how they slowly expand as they get older, and by the time they're teenagers, you know it's the boundaries are the size the the fence the metaphorical fence is the size of a football field, and our kids are showing up to the fence with wire cutters and shovels and ladders, <laughs> and that is adolescence. Like that's teens. That's what they need to do. We want them to leave the cave, right? But they we also want the cave to be a safe place for them to make mistakes, right? For sure. So talk a little bit about that and about that, you know, because I, I think there's so much fear that shows up for, for parents of teenagers because one mistake, well, you could have, you know, it could have been, right. you could have the died <laughs> right? Yeah. or you could have been arrested. I feel like those are the two directions that we tend to go in. Right. <laughs> the extremes, right? It's never like, well, you could have failed a class and that's it. You know, there's always more to it in our minds. But yeah. yeah. So first, I, I just want to tell you that the whole idea of her being caught and having this relief of whatever it was that she was pushing the boundaries on, you're absolutely right. I mean, our kids, once they make these decisions that they know are not in line with their own values or definitely their parents' values, there is this anxiety that kind of builds up. Mm -hmm. So um, it is definitely a, a relief when they get caught because they're like, okay, now I've got my boundaries again. I know what I'm doing, what I'm not doing. This feels better. So you're definitely right on that. And and um, as far as the emotional part of it, I just have to tell you the story. I was doing a workshop and it was a workshop on, I think it was bullying or friendship, something like that. But we had gone down into small groups and we were talking about something that wasn't particularly emotional, but this one girl just started crying and all the girls around the table just looked at her like, what is this? What do we do about this? And when I finally was able to um, you know, get her to talk to us, she said, I just feel like we are not allowed to have emotions at all. At school, we have to act like everything's fine with our parents. We need to act like everything is fine with our friends. And she just was so tired of that being that emotional robot that everything is just fine. Um, so having the safe space to release these emotions is so empowering to mm -hmm. say, you really are a person and you're allowed to be angry at me. You're allowed to be sad. You're allowed to be anxious, whatever it is that... Um, that right there is just so powerful for our girls and for our boys, for that matter. Um, it's We just don't allow that anymore, it seems like. So it's great to give them that space to be emotional. Yeah, just do, be you, there. do you think that – I wonder too because, you know, as the parent looking in and having all of our <laughs> fears and we see our child, our teen, having emotion, do you think that we kind of – well, I'm sure – I guess I know what you're going to say here – but I think that probably it's like, well, what's wrong? Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory. Two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And now we're back with a whole new podcast about unsticking it, launching in January. What happens when life gets in the way of our creativity instead of nourishing it? We talk to all sorts of guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky 
wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. So join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Get out of there, life gunk. Let us help you get back to your best creative self. Look for Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Wherever you listen to podcasts starting in January. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. Because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking It. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're, Amy, more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. What's we try wrong? To and fix sometimes it. they don't even necessarily know. All they know is that they're they feel like having a good cry. Exactly. Yeah. And we try to fix it. We especially as our daughters, we want to fix it. So if they're crying, what do we say to them usually? Oh, don't cry. It's going to be okay. Yeah. Instead of just letting them have that moment of ah, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, we were kind of trained to shut down these emotions really quickly. With my clients that I am coaching on anxiety in particular, it becomes the cycle. So the daughter feels a little bit anxious. The mom picks up on that and feels like, I need to fix this anxiety for her. And then it begins to snowball. Any sign of anxiety or a sadness, something that might trigger anxiety, now the mom's anxious about, I need to fix this. So the daughter then gets the message, I need to not be anxious. So if she starts to feel anxious about a test coming up or, you know, her friendship's not going very well, then she's anxious and that, you know, she's anxious about the anxiety. It just gets bigger and bigger. So one thing that I do is I give the mom permission or I have the daughter give the mom permission um, to not fix it for her. Mm-hmm. And it's it's such a powerful moment for the both of them to be like, oh, you mean I'm okay to be anxious for 15, 20 minutes or a day or whatever it is. And I don't need to squash that feeling that it's so powerful. It is. And it's freeing, I think, for parents. I mean, saying you don't have to have the answer to this. It's like, right. oh, thank God. <laughs> yeah, it's normal behavior. Yeah. Can we talk a little bit about um, leggings and the, <laughs> and the yes, sexual climate can. that our girls are dealing with right now? So, you know, we're not dealing with super inappropriate clothing over here. And I recently had a talk with my daughter about um, what clothes can invite from others and ugh, and it just, it felt, I, I felt like I could not, I didn't, I was like, what is my point right now? What am I trying to get at? And it was like, 
so messy because I was like, you should be able to wear what you want. And sometimes clothing invites certain behaviors from others. And you're not responsible for that. And, you know, it was just, and she finally looked at me. She's like, mom, you are giving so many mixed messages right now. Like she completely called me out at the end of the day. And I said, I know, (laughs) (laughs) I know, I know that I am. And we had gone to a football game and it was just like, I, I hadn't seen her in the in the um, context of out and about with a bunch of, you know, peers and older kids. And all of a sudden it was all I could do was look at her cute little butt and her leggings. And I thought, oh my gosh, (laughs) holy cow. You know what I mean? And so like, it was not my best parenting moment. I'm just going to be totally honest there. However, and I was just saying this today, I was calm. I wasn't, you know, there was no accusation. It was funny. We were laughing about my mixed messages. So all of that I felt like was good relationship building. And how do we have conversations with our girls that helps them broaden their lens around influencing their experience, right? While also, you know, celebrating their autonomy and, and, and not contributing more to rape culture, you know? Right. Like, it's just – I don't even know where to, how, where to go with this conversation. So this is a big topic <laughs> in my house. You know, I've oh, got good. Three, I have three daughters. <laughs> my 16-year-old just wrote a, one of her papers for school on how the dress code promotes the rape culture. So we've been having a lot of conversations about this in our household. Um, But I think what it kind of comes down to is our language around it, Mm -hmm. how it's enforced. And I mean, those two things are big. I I will give you an example for that. I won't name the school, but um, the high school that my daughter goes to, when they talk about the dress code, they just use language that is just very... It just leaves a bad taste in my mouth. So they were talking about the dress code. And one of the things they have on their PowerPoint is when in doubt, cover up more. And when they were talking about the um, football games, they said skin doesn't equal spirit. And then when they enforce the dress code, it it gets even worse. And I was thinking back to my, I grew up in Texas, very conservative town. You couldn't have piercings if you're a boy, you're couldn't have hair colored, you know, Mm -hmm. anyway, it was very conservative, but they never made me feel ashamed. I was ticked off at the dress code, but I never felt like I was, you know, a bad person or, but now the way they're saying it is, well, you don't want to distract boys. Yes. You know, it's your fault somehow, or it's not professional or it's not, um, you know, they'll say, where's the rest of your shirt? You know, just things that leave them feeling like, they are somehow responsible for distracting boys while they're trying to get educated. And I mean, there's so many things wrong with that. First of all, we're not giving our boys any credit. Right. And have you been in a middle school classroom lately? They boy, they're distracted by a lot of things. I know. know. And you know, I'm sorry, they're going to have to learn to deal with it. Just like our girls learn to deal with it too. I mean, it's, it's, um, we need to give them a little bit more credit. And in fact, the boys, joke about it because they'll say oh my gosh I can see your shoulder I can't help myself you know and yeah um because they're made being made to feel like they're just these animals that have no control over their you know sexuality or you know it's it's just messed up in so many ways so it is 
difficult to get the point across. But the way that I do it is ask a lot of questions, you know, what do you think about what they said? Do you want to do anything about it? Do you want to contact the school? So one game plan we came up with recently is for her to take pictures at the football game of the double standard between the boys and girls, um, you know, so she can feel empowered. But mm-hmm. it's an ongoing conversation. There's no right and wrong way to do it. Every single family is going to have a very different conversation depending on what you allow your kids to wear. But, you know, asking questions is great. I talk about bathing suits, for instance. Mm-hmm. You know, is it appropriate to wear a bathing suit, let's say, to school? Girls are going to say no. Right. And why is that? So just kind of, you know, instead of lecturing them, saying this is black and white, just like you did, have the conversation instead of the lecture, instead of the, um, you know, just not allowing them to think about it in the big scheme of life. Um, you know, it's a very sticky situation. It is. And, you know, we talked about when the Stanford sexual assault case and the Brock Turner stuff came up, we talked a little mm-hmm. bit about that. And, you know, just letting her know that um, she, when girl, you know, when the situation happens and women are assaulted, there is a heavy cry about what it was that she did to invite the behavior. Mm-hmm. And again, even that conversation, it's like, okay, and it wasn't her fault. So, right. <laughs> like, is it even um, appropriate? Like, I, I, I guess I, I you know, and, and I, I guess this is something for all of us to puzzle out, right? This is something mm-hmm. for all of us to puzzle out. There's no perfect answer to this. And I think, you know, the main, you know, when we can maintain relationship, I think that probably, and you tell me what you think, but when we can stay in relationship with our girls within the context of this conversation, that's going to be more helpful than any line in the sand. You will not power struggle. That's kind of when things really fall apart. Right. Yep. Well, they say the kids who lie the most to their parents are the, well, first of all, the ones who don't tell their parents anything, of course, are the ones who have the strictest parents. And then the other group of the ones who lie the most to their parents are the parents who are very hands-off and don't have that relationship. Mm -hmm. The ones that feel like, my kid can do whatever they want. They'll figure it out. Um, Super permissive. The other end of the spectrum. Yeah. Yeah. Surprisingly, those are the kids who lie the most to their parents. And they kind of have this feeling, my parents don't want to be bothered with me. Mm -hmm. So it's that maintaining a relationship where there's a back and forth. You can talk to your parents. You can talk to your teens that's what's important, keeping that line of communication open. Yeah. And I'm, you know, right now we're talking about leggings, but there's <laughs> conversations about, you know, sex and drugs right. and alcohol and all of these other things that are going to make me say like, oh, I wish we were just talking about leggings still. Um, right. <laughs> but yeah, it gets bigger. Yeah. I'm, 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 I'm not going to say I'm ready for it, but I know that it's ahead of me. Right. I know that it's ahead of me. And, and something that I've taken away from conversation, many conversations with Amy Lang is, you know, frequent and brief, frequent yeah. and brief. And that um, has been really helpful for me. I have one child who wants, you know, talks about everything with me in, Ex, you know, to the extent of like, yeah, let's spend the whole afternoon talking about this. And then my daughter, who's like, okay, are we done now? Right. So with her, it really has to be brief, but frequent. And it's not like, you know, I get the eye rolls and I get the, oh God, how long is this going to be? And that's okay. I'm totally okay with that. And we laugh about it. Um, and we'll continue to talk about it. 
Exactly. <sighs> well, Sherry, what is so in conclusion? In conclusion, what is your biggest piece of advice that you have to leave listeners with who are raising teen daughters? I think the biggest one is to um, to keep your overall parenting goals in mind. So don't sweat the little stuff. You know, it can add up and we can feel like we have to get them to do the dishes right now or this or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Just keep your overall parenting goals in mind. So for me, it's that I want my girls to feel respected. I want them to feel loved and I want them to feel empowered. So, you know, coupling those three doesn't mean they get away with everything it also means that I don't get onto them about every little thing. So that's a big one. And the other is to forgive yourself when you make parenting mistakes, especially when we listen to podcasts like this or we, you know, go and read a book. We leave feeling like, oh, I'm doing it all wrong or I messed up on that thing. And we get depressed or sad or angry at ourselves. And we just need to forgive ourselves apologize to our daughters if necessary because we're showing them what a healthy relationship is like right yeah and then move on and learn from it love that thank you sherry and i do i make you know it is my honor to get to be super transparent about the messy nature of parenting on this podcast for sure so (laughs) love having other people talking about forgiving ourselves because we're going to make mistakes because we're humans. Exactly. We're humans. So my last question that I always end with is what does joyful courage mean to you, Sherry? Oh, boy. First of all, it gives me really positive vibes. I love the joyful part of it. Um, It just to me means that we're happy with ourselves about the challenges that we take on. And parenting is definitely one of those challenges. Uh, And it also means to be happy and joyful, even if we make mistakes, even if we fail at something, if we do something horribly, just to be joyful about the fact that we have that challenge in front of us, that we're willing to take it on and to give it our all. Yeah. Thank you. Where can listeners follow you and find your work? Uh, The easiest place is to go to my website, which is teenwiseseattle.com. And I've got contact information on there, all my events that are coming up, and I have a good um, list of book recommendations. There's lots of information on there. Okay. And are you on social media? I am. I'm on Facebook, also TeenWise Seattle. Okay. Great. And I will have links. Listeners, you know that I'll have links in the show notes so that you can keep in touch with Sherry. Do you do workshops for the you do workshops for the girls, right? Right. I do workshops for the girls. I do lots of workshops for the parents. Awesome. And I also do private teen life coaching for girls one-on-one. Great. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on and talking to me. It was a blast. Thanks. Wow, that was so helpful to me. I don't know how it was for you, but super helpful to me, especially taking away the idea that my daughter doesn't necessarily have her true self fully developed and isn't necessarily in an intimate relationship with her true self. So I'm really excited to shift my perspective around being mom, being guide, being listener And helping her consider questions, consider her values, so that she can be in development of that true self. Yay! So amazing. So if you are on my newsletter list, then you know 
today, if you checked your email today on Tuesday, uh, that I have a new offer that is open for registration right now. Last August, I did a program called the Joyful Courage 10. And I had a lot of people go through. 450 people actually participated in Joyful Courage 10. It was fantastic and super helpful for people. Um, It's centered around finding your intention and declaring who it is that you want to be. And then taking that and actually showing up that way, even when it's hard to do. So same concept, same Joyful Courage 10, but this time it has the um, the umbrella of holiday season around it. So who do you want to be? How do you want to show up as you navigate the stress and the craziness of the holiday season? So Joyful Courage 10, holiday edition, will begin... Um, when will it begin? It's beginning December 1st. It'll just be the 1st through the 10th. It is just an opportunity for you to be reminded of who it is that you want to be and to really step into that practice, even as you navigate the holidays. It is not intended to be a lot of work for you, simply to help you broaden your awareness and notice that pause. Notice that pause between behavior and response. And to grow it, right? Because that's where we get to make some choices is once we recognize that there actually is space. There's space for us to make choices about how we want to respond to our kids. And Joyful Courage 10 is a little taste of what that can feel like. So go to my website and look on the toolbar, um, the navigation bar of the website, and you'll see Joyful Courage 10. Click on it and sign up. It's free. It's free and it starts December 1st. So I'm really hoping that listeners engage there. You can also engage with the community um, on my Live and Love with Joyful Courage Facebook group page. There's lots of conversation over there happening amongst members. Lots of support, lots of celebration, lots of sharing of powerful resources that are in alignment with everything we talk about here on the podcast. I am so happy to show up for you each week. I'm so excited that you listen in. And don't forget, let's make November a 15,000 download month. Will you help me out with that? I need your help. Share the podcast. Share it. Talk about what you get from it, why you love it, why do you listen. Tell your friends. Tell your people. Thank you. I will really appreciate that. And um, it'll just make it easier for me to continue to offer this up to you all and keep doing the work that I'm doing. So big love, drink lots of water, get more sleep, do some yoga stretches, take care of yourself so you can take care of those babies. Bigs bigs or littles, right? We all have babies that we love to take care of. So take care of you so you can show up better for them. I'll see you next week.
feel like you're the martyr in your family, you're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a no guilt mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Guilt Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows.